I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Who stings? And another thing I'm going to say. I've won over 1,800 games in the manager, and I'm not a damn dumb. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. I know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. The Chicago Cubs, uh, ironically enough, found a way at the 11th hour to put together some, you know, scrounging together some couch change, apparently, after after all their biblical losses over the last two years. Uh, that basically cost us the 2020, the 2021 season. Um, they actually found a way to pay Marcus Stroman. Uh, I don't know the how top, they did it. One of the top free agent pitchers out there. Three-year deal, $71 million. I believe he's being paid 25 over the first two years and 21 in the third year. He has a, I believe there's no no trade clause, but he does have a, there's an option for the third year. And I, I didn't, I'm not sure what that, if that's his option or the team option, but. Uh, it was kind of shocking because up until that moment, you know, you saw lots of action. Uh, the Cubs were on the sideline for all that. And I've always argued they were, they've been acting like a small market team for two years when they are anything but. <laughs> they are the, really, the, they're the third largest team. They should be spending amongst the Giants of, uh, not not the San Francisco Giants, <laughs> the the big teams, the big spending teams, and they have chosen not to. Um, but finally, they, they have a, a pretty. It's actually a mid level signing. Seventy seventy one million dollars is not a crazy amount of money considering the other contracts we've seen. I think it's really smart money, though. Uh, if you look at Stroman's numbers, um, yeah, he's last year had a, basically a three hundred two ERA um, over his last. 10 year or let's see let's, since 2014 uh he has the fourth lowest home run rate and the second highest ground ball rate which is going to work rather well i'd say in wrigley field um he's also a cool dude i don't know if you've heard many interviews with him um He's uh he's very insightful, a thoughtful dude. You can you can when he gets interviewed, he you can tell he listens to the question. He doesn't get just give uh, standard sports player cliches when when he's asked interesting questions. At least so I, I've appreciated that. He is a former Lugnut, Lansing Lugnut, as I'm sitting here in Lansing, Michigan. Um, so I appreciate that. And he actually just did a like a rehab stint one time when he was with Toronto, and they, they were still a Blue Jays affiliate, but. I had to tie that in there, so it's another reason I like him. He's number zero, which I always think is cool. Strowman with a zero in the middle. Um, I, I like it. I, I um, what the Cubs have done, you know, besides the picking up the or basically claiming Wade Miley off waivers from the Reds, um, they're starting to get an interesting rotation. Certainly not a prototypical power arm, um, flame throwing rotation, but. With Kyle Hendricks, Wade Miley, and Mark Stroman, I think you have the, the beginnings of what could be an interesting rotation. Clearly, there's a lot more work the Cubs need to do, and I'm not sure they're going to be willing to do that after the right after this lockout. Um, if they're going to spread that out over a couple years, where I'm not sure they'll be contending in 2022, if there is a season, um, I'm, I have a feeling they're looking more towards 2023. But there's a there's a there's a there's a foundation there that, that I like so. I don't know if you had thoughts about Strowman. 
or that. Yeah, injury. I mean, I think when you look at his numbers, um, he's definitely destined to stay in the National League because his numbers are at least a half a run better since he's been in the National League than mm. in, the, in the American League. So good signing by the Cubs. I think, you know, I think the only the only question mark on Stroman is there's, you know, talk from time to time that he's not a great clubhouse guy because of his sharing of opinions. So that we'll just see how that plays out. But I think teams can work around that. I mean, the, the dollars are perfect. I, I want to I will put a pin in that. I want to talk about the, the not a good clubhouse guy or the clubhouse cancer because I'm going to bring that up in a bit. But remind, remind me of that. <laughs> Okay. When we, get to, when we get to the Tigers, but go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I mean, I, I was like, "Dang, great!" I literally, I this immediately when I saw it, I thought, "Great signing." That was my initial reaction, and I, yeah. I'm sticking with that. I, like I said, jury's out. You know, every clubhouse is different. You know, like a, a great example is uh, is uh, um, uh, uh, what's his Nick Swisher like was. <sighs> despised in the White Sox clubhouse, but the Yankees didn't care. Right. He was finally with the Yankees. You know, he didn't, he didn't come over from the A's with a, with a, a clubhouse cancer uh, moniker on him either. I don't believe so. Like, it's just, it's just, you know, you get a, you get a bunch of people in a room, not everyone's going to get along, but it's, it's a matter of like, are they truly affecting how the team plays? You know yeah, what I mean? I think a lot of that is overstated. Yeah, exactly. So I, I jury's out on that. We'll just see how it plays out. But as far as I'm concerned, that was uh that was a good signing. Again, a smart signing for if you got some of the bigger names off the table before the big dogs get back in the race again. Because mm-hmm. that's that was the thing about why why this I do believe part of the you know what you were saying uh, from John Boy you know that there was a bit of a look at all this money we spent the players are greedy type of thing that that the baseball wanted to get out there but also like if you thought Stroman was going to be courted by the Yankees or the Red Sox or any of those teams. You needed to go in, and it was smart to get him now before yeah. those guys get back in the game. Once, once the, once all of the all the financials are spelled out from this thing. So well, I think both sides realized it needed to happen quickly. Um, I mean, Jed Hoyer's talked about he wants to spend money intelligently, and I feel like I feel like that was done. But I feel like his he was kind of pressed into it by this artificial deadline, and. Because, you know, it was, I think it was literally the last free agent signing before the lockout. It was late Wednesday night before we got the news, maybe an hour before, two hours before. Yeah, it was very late into the, and I mean, they, he technically would have had it, had until, you know, midnight that night or 1159, yeah. but it was done in the evening, like the, seven, some, I think around seven o'clock here or something the, like that. The story goes that, uh, Stroman had to rush to LA airport where he lives to get to Chicago to sign the deal in time. And he barely made, made his flight to get to Chicago. And if he had missed that flight, the deal wouldn't have happened. So uh, that's kind of amazing. I'm surprised he, that stuff couldn't be done virtually. Yeah, I know. But apparently not. DocuSign? That's actually a part of why there's so much. Yeah. I've I've signed documents. I mean, (laughs) I sold a a condo from 250 miles away. It seems like it could work, but yeah, whatever. uh, That's, that's minor money compared to $71 million. Maybe things do do need to be done in person, but I don't know. Um, 
uh, lost my train of thought again, but he, it, it just seems like the, oh, I, I know what I was going to say. The, that's part of why there were so many deals done on Monday uh, that, that people realize, well, you've got to have physicals done. That's probably why it was a physical. He probably had to have a doctor. The Cubs had yeah. doctors look at him before he signed anything. But um, that's why so much was happening on Monday and, and Tuesday and less as we got closer to the deadline because the, the teams and players had to get those uh, I's dotted and T's crossed uh, in advance because literally it just takes time to get those things done. So, but I think that's, that speaks to the, I think Jed was a little panicky and maybe Stroman was a little panicky that nothing had been done, uh, that they didn't have a deal until that. So that, that's, that maybe is why things happen so late. You know, a lot of, a lot of pitchers had been signed. I think there was a total of 19 pitchers signed in November. Um, Stroman had not, and they, they wanted to get that done before, before this all, this landscape changes radically. So works out for both sides. Um, I have seen uh, at least one pundit and I, neither of us really like Keith law very much, but he, he thinks that Stroman is the, the best pitcher on the market this year. And the Cubs got him for a reasonable amount. You know, three years is very reasonable. Um, 71 million, you know, this is a, essentially a 24, 24 million a year and average value deal, which is not, not breaking the bank by any means. But the funny thing is this only brings the Cubs payroll up to, I believe for 2022 would be they're on the hook for 114 million. So, which is a paltry amount for a large market team um, that should be a big spender that has, that had over time been bumping up against the $200 million luxury tax mark. Um, so I think this means there's there's more room uh, once once the the lockout is over and the second free agent frenzy happens. However, that works. Cubs still have room room to maneuver if they want to. As there are still a few big fucking names out there. There's, a, there's more than a few big names out there. Yeah. So maybe we'll break that down over over the maybe the show, but also. Um, in subsequent shows to see what, what's still out there. Cause that's going to be fun to, to dream about where those players could go, but the Cubs haven't should be in the mix for all of that. And if they're not, then they're negligent, but this is at least a good sign for Cubs fans that the Cubs aren't completely setting this out. They are spending their money intelligently, at least in, in my, my opinion, I like it. Uh, that comes on the back of a couple other signings that we at least have to mention for the Cubs that I thought was going to be their entire November. <laughs> yeah, it was looking that frenzy. way at one point, right? Yeah. Um, well, first I'll start with uh, Clint Frazier, uh, who the Yankees DFA'd, former top prospect that just never never worked out, and whether that's the, the spotlight and pressure of New York that worked against him. Cubs signed him to a one-year deal. Um, again, Jed's, Jed's favorite phrase is there's no bad one-year deal. So I think that's a... That's a shrewd move. Um, the guy's got all the potential in the world, just hasn't put it together. So I, I like that move. The more curious move is the two-year deal, $13 million they gave to Jan Gomes. Yeah, that uh, was curious. Catcher. And the other more curious thing is immediately after that news came out. Uh, are you talking about the emojis? Yes. The emoji tweet? Wilson Contreras, the the standing starting catcher for the Chicago Cubs had some interesting emoji tweets coming out, which emoji tweets are just 
so fucking funny to me. Maybe it's just because we're old and it's it's like a, a you know we're cert- certainly on social media, but the younger generation has a different way to communicate on social media than I do. I, I don't think I ever use emojis other than uh, like team logos when I use their their hashtags that Twitter adds their their graphics to. But Wilson posted four different airplane emojis: one taking off, one leveling out, and the whatever taking off and landing as yeah basically yeah he's getting the fuck out and it seemed to be obviously implied that or inferred that he was not happy and he'd be leaving chicago it's possible he was just saying he's on his way on vacation because of the lockout i don't i don't know what what that meant but he liked to leave that open to interpretation but i think it was pretty obvious the timing of it had something to do with the jan gomes signing and the fact that Contreras is not signed to a long-year deal uh, past 2022. So I could see why there's some logic. I haven't seen him say anything that he was annoyed, um, with how the Cubs have proceeded over the last year, dumping all their, their, uh, huge names, their potential hall of fame players, their, uh, big, big name contracts, their legends in the city of Chicago, while Contreras is the last guy left, everyone else is gone now and he's by himself. And now they sign essentially what could be his replacement for signing young Gomes for two years. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, no, I think it makes sense for the the Cubs who have really struggled to, to fill that backup catcher position uh, last year. Yeah. Uh, to sign young Gomes. I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't think that affects Contreras no. necessarily. It affects his, his maybe his, uh, leverage in negotiations if he what if he was trying to work out an extension with the cubs you know they've got a backup plan at least for next year and the year after which they had none before that so that that could that changes that calculus i'm sure which he's not happy about um we might may or may not be happy about we're not sure uh based on those nebulous emojis but um so i don't know i think it was worth mentioning uh in other you know any other situation signing young gomes for 13 for two years for 13 million dollars is not really noteworthy other than how it affects Contreras who is very popular a fucking awesome catcher I would love to have him remain on the Cubs uh, probably from an owner's side I probably wouldn't si- want to sign him to a 10-year deal because that would be foolish with a with a catcher you know as we've seen them drop off uh in value uh, as their bodies get older and are banged up. So I'd sign them to a short, short-term deal. I'd love to see him extended, but I'm not sure how that's going to work out. It would be sad to see him go, but I wouldn't be surprised. And in fact, I thought he would be one of the players traded at the deadline last year because of his immense value and it didn't happen for whatever reason. So that's going to be an interesting situation to see play out over 2022. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it means anything at all. I mean, he's basically turned into you know, he was more of a starting catcher and he's definitely more of a platoon guy now, Gomes. So, I mean, he only had 349 at bats in 2021. So that's obviously splitting time, but he's got some decent numbers in those at bats. So you've got like, to your point, you have a legitimate backup catcher. Now there's nothing wrong with having a legitimate backup catcher. In fact, Grandel and, uh, having, you know, Yasmani and, um, and uh, uh, McCannon on, on the team at the same time was not a bad thing for the White Sox, other than eventually 
you know, one of the catchers wants more time to be a, right. a full-time starter. So he well, goes, McCann he goes left, elsewhere. You know, in free yeah. agency, so that, that yeah. might be playing out the exact same way. Yes. Grandall is a far more significant offensive threat than and, Gomes. And, is and let's be honest, Gomes is 34 years old. So yeah, I mean, he's definitely at the end. This is probably his last contract too. So for, for that's a really good point actually, because for Contreras to be miffed about that, I, I think it might be a, a little, yeah, uh, little privileged, a little, a little t- a bit of a temper tantrum, but I mean, maybe he, 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 he wasn't even missed he, at all. Yeah, he may have just gone on freaking vacation, everybody. Yeah. I would go on vacation right now. It's a perfect I know. Time get out of Dodge. Out, it's so. cold. Yeah, it's fucking cold. 